Welcome, seniors y señoras, to the Danger Room, X-Men Comic Commentary Podcast. Me llamo e Adam. My name is Jeremy. <laughs> I thought I could maybe find some French, but it's not there anymore. <laughs> next time. Yeah. We'll do it next week. You've got a whole week to prepare for it. Okay. We're here to discuss Uncanny X-Men number 212. The December 1986 issue on sale September 9th, 1986, with a cover price of 75 cents. This one's called The Last Run. And it's a great cover. Who did this cover? Uh, this looks like a BWS cover. It, it does look BWS-esque, but he doesn't draw it. I mean, he doesn't draw the issue. He, he probably draws this cover. I'm just not finding the initials here anyways. But it's a it's it's Wolverine. His costume is all torn up. There's like bloody claw marks behind him and and he's ready for some action like he's twisting around looking at us the audience who could possibly be Sabretooth because the cover proclaims it's Wolverine versus Sabretooth round 1. It's a bit of a misnomer. <laughs> uh well, it it is a round, I guess, of sorts. It's a quick round, but it's a round nonetheless. Uh, I guess kind of also setting up, uh, well, I'm going, I'm getting ahead of myself, but it is definitely spoiling the fact that there's probably going to be a round two at some point, right? And a round three and a round 600. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, you know, I'm I'm imagining that they must have had a plan like, ooh, this issue is going to be round one, next issue, round two. The only thing that I would like from this cover is instead of a blood splotch in the background, which is cool, I would like a BWS muted colors sewer in the mm, background sure sure or maybe even like uh in the blood stain you could have like a, a silhouette of the uh of the sewers or like a monochrome yeah yeah that'd have been pretty awesome but no this is it's just it's, it's it's a lack of detail which is obviously a choice but i i would prefer more detail but that's just me i think this is a solid wolverine i mean you put this on a shirt i buy it oh yeah this this wolverine is excellent yeah. i mean it looks great. So we open this guy up and we find out that it is written by Chris Claremont. And we've got one of my favorite artists guesting, <laughs> Rick Leonardi. Now, I know you're being sarcastic, but <laughs> yeah. sometimes Rick Leonardi is good. Yeah. There's some stuff I really like in this issue. Okay. Well, when, when we get there, you'll have to point it out. This issue's not all bad. Let me, I, I will, let me walk that comment back. This is... Uh, this is interestingly enough, early Rick Leonardi. I think we have had one other guest, uh, issue by Rick Leonardi, but I think so too. he does some stuff later in X-Men that in my opinion is just, just terrible. I know growing up whenever it was a fill in Rick Leonardi, I think it was, I, I didn't really notice a lot of artists growing up. It was always just like, Ooh, a new issue and Ooh, the guard's cool. It wasn't until like Jim Lee that I actually started noticing that, artists are different yes but uh rick leonardi is one of the ones that stood out because it was always not desirable we put it that way the, uh, there was one other guy that i didn't like but i think i've come to respect uh eric larson oh okay whenever eric larson had a guest shot on uh todd mcfarlane's spider-man i was like oh god <laughs> but moving on i was like well he actually has like a really distinct style and uh he i was not giving him his due because he wasn't todd mcfarlane right you're you're so enamored with todd mcfarlane and then you get something that isn't it and you're like what well and then you go back and you revisit some of those todd mcfarlane spider-man issues and you're like you know what when he's not drawing spider-man yeah. It's not good. I mean, all of the humans don't look like humans. Yeah, he didn't. Uh, he he didn't get 
uh, G.I. Joe. Oh, God. <laughs> I think we've talked was, about that one to death. He was supposed to be the artist, but Larry Hama said no. <laughs> no, somebody else has to redraw this. Isn't that how it went? That wasn't there like, uh, didn't, didn't they reprint Todd McFarlane's Spider, or I mean, G.I. Joe, but somebody else came through and re- redrew it? Yeah, he does. He does 60 and 61, I think. I don't know. Which are, uh, one of them was published. The other one, uh, Larry Hama asked somebody else to redraw it. And and that was the issue that was published. So later they released the the unpublished version of Todd McFarlane, which if you compare side by side, the the other version is way better. <laughs> Poor guy. <laughs> Anyways, that was that was probably early in his career. But yeah, uh, who else do we have here? We've got Dan Green inking. So that probably helps some of the illustration because Dan Green's a phenomenal inker. He is a master. Uh, Glynis Oliver is the colorist. Tom Wozniakowski is lettering. Anna Senti is the editor. And Jim Shooter is the editor in chief. And this issue takes place a mile beneath Manhattan, and it's Wolverine. He's hunting through a, a, a tunnels that are littered with dead Morlock bodies, looking for somebody he can bring back to Storm to interrogate. Yeah, where we left off, the rest of the X-Men went back to the mansion. Uh, lots of people were damaged and hurt and so on and so forth. And uh, Storm asked... Wolverine to stay behind to grab a prisoner for interrogation so they could figure out who the heck is uh, – why, the, why the, ma- the Marauders are massacring the Morlocks. Yeah. And so he's, uh, he comes across a body of a Morlock who's dying, and he's talking to himself throughout the entire thing about how professional the work is, top-notch and thorough. Yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> Actually, she's not alive. Her eyes are still open. He's just going through the the grim darkness uh, of, of what is death. And uh, a bunch of rats come along, and, and Wolverine, I don't know, gets all feral and scares all the rats away. But he comments to himself that they're just being rats. They'll be back as soon as Wolverine leaves. Betsy Braddock creates a telepathic connection to him and says, I'm Betsy Braddock. I'm called Psylocke. I'm a telepath, which is how she introduced herself for the first five or six issues that she's in. Yeah, the Wolverine should be like, yeah, I know, we met. <laughs> you say that every time. Shut up. <laughs> Do you have a complex or something? Like, you're not that forgettable. Codename Psylocke, I get it. Yes, yes, I've heard. Uh, and yeah, she. Yeah, we had a whole adventure. We were little together. <laughs> we got sent to a different universe. It was there. Yeah, and he's like, get, get out of my flaming head. My thoughts aren't pretty. Tell her it's as bad as can be. I found no survivors. Marauders, since they're all stale, I figure they're long gone. I'll, somehow I'm still going to get a prisoner, though. <laughs> he does comment that he stumbled across some of the friends of X-Men called Power Pack, but he shooed him home. <laughs> yeah, as we talked about last episode, they didn't They didn't go home. <laughs> no. And in the Power Pack issue, Wolverine's costume was ruined, so remember that continuity. Oh, yeah, yeah. He found a new costume. Yeah. Just, I mean, he probably stores one of the Morlock tunnels because you can never, you know, he's got a deal worked out with Callisto. I bet he went through the Morlock cabinets and found some, like a sewing machine or maybe some thread and put it back together. How long has he been down here looking for a survivor? Days. <laughs> a week. <laughs> Not coming out till I get this costume sewn and a prisoner. Well, because really, I mean, like, where did the Marauders go? They're just like gone all of a sudden. Yeah, I don't know. Some of the continuity here is weird, though, as as we'll find. So, but it's like, oof. Uh, but Wolverine's like, I got work to do. Girl, stay out of my head. Um, I'll be in touch. 
when the time's right. Uh, Betsy says that she's worried about Storm, and Wolverine says, don't be. You're a stranger. You've only just met the X-Men. Speak up when you know what you're talking about. That's right. She'll be fine. I gotta go. <laughs> just kind of setting up a story that Wolverine's not too fond of this new chick. Which, yeah. Which, which will be addressed, but... For now. And also setting up the storm, the storm story yep. that's about to take place. Spoilers. <laughs> Psylocke takes off the Cerebro helmet. She's talking about how tired she is. Uh, there's a um, psionic barrier surrounding the Morlock tunnel, so she had to use Cerebro to amplify her powers, but it's killing her poor head. Is that something that we know about, or is that they just I do I feel like... At the beginning of this mutant massacre, somebody said something about a barrier around the tunnels, but I don't remember. Maybe not. <laughs> but yeah, there you go. There's a barrier around the tunnels, which, you know, that's convenient. And at this point, we still don't know who the mastermind behind the Marauders is. Yeah, and I feel like it's a connection that's never really going to be explored, even though we do find out who it is. Right, right. Does the said person ever say, and then I did the Morlock Massacre? <laughs> no. <laughs> and here's why. <laughs> but in these issues somewhere today, we will find out who the mastermind is. And it's just like a very casual name drop. It's like page 13 or something. Yeah. Buried in a buried in a balloon. Like if you're skimming the book, you wouldn't even see it. Yeah. Uh, but yes, down at the infirmary, we've got uh, Moira McTaggart, Mc, uh, Magneto, Callisto. They're all watching over the wounded. Uh, another one has passed away. Who's the Who's the other woman? Uh, Sharon Friedlander. That's right. As discussed last episode, yep. Callisto's got a pretty nice sweater. They must have loaned her a sweater. Yeah, it's like a Charlie Brown sweater, except it doesn't have a zigzag line. I think it's I think it's one of Rogue's sweaters. It looks like a, something a Rogue would wear. Here, sugar, you can borrow my sweater. I'd like to know what happens to Magneto though, because on this last panel where they're all sitting in the infirmary. Uh, and we discover that we lost one. Magneto looks fine. He looks like Magneto. But in the next panel, he looks like he's just morphed into a Neanderthal. <laughs> well, he's shrugging. He's got that, you know, oh, that's what happens in a war. Yeah, but his his jawline's all saggy and his forehead's like all sunk in. It's a bad drawing. His <laughs> arms go down to his knees. Right. So this is the Rick Leonardi thing. And and what's interesting is uh, juxtaposed on that in the foreground is Storm, which is actually a pretty good drawing of Storm. Yeah. So, like, you know, he's hit and miss, I guess, in this issue. He was um, focused on the foreground, as, as he should be. And somebody said, you need to do a background. He's like, a what? I guess if I have to. You missed all the dialogue. Why is this just a shot of Storm? This panel was originally just going to be Storm and like a yellow background, like a flat yellow background. <laughs> it's actually funny that Storm is the focus of this panel since she doesn't say anything. Well, I think this is also kind of the tipping point of like all of this stuff is happening in the background. And I yeah, think she's yeah. beginning to question herself because as we find out a little later on, she blames herself for leading the X-Men into this uh, – uh, this massacre, as it were. It's actually taking all of this uh, talk in the background into context and focusing on Storm, a really nice composition. Yeah. So, you know, props to uh, Rick Leonardi for that. He just got lucky, in my opinion, but... <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> and so Callisto is kind of the voice of reason in this whole thing. Um, 
talking about how normal people wouldn't probably risk their lives to protect them when the mar- marauders show up to finish the job, that they're outcasts, Morlocks have no place in society, but underground. I guess just backstory for the new reader, but Storm and goes... Storm comments that the X-Men are kind of similar to the Morlocks and that they're outcasts. She goes over to Nightcrawler, who is unconscious, and thinks to herself, say a world, please smile. I miss, I need your laughter, and not the greatest picture of uh, drawing of Sorm now in this corner. Which one, the bottom corner page? The bottom right. I like the uh, bottom left. I don't care for the bottom right. She looks maybe a little too childish. Huh, I feel the opposite. Oh, okay. But, yeah, I mean, I can see where you're going. She does look a little uh, childish there. Uh, but, yes, for those of you that have forgotten, Nightcrawler is in a coma. Mm-hmm. And uh, they also, she goes and visits Kitty. Kitty is in a permanent state of phase. She's essentially turning into a ghost. She's very transparent. She can't talk. A living ghost, says Colossus. So can Who she... were those butchers, Storm? Why did they do what they do? Uh, how, I mean, they. I don't think they ever really explain this, or maybe they do in the Fantastic Four X-Men story. But how does she stay alive? Like, how does she eat? <laughs> I don't know. She can't eat because she, she's, she's contained within this bubble. So I would imagine well, she, she doesn't need to eat because she's a ghost. Wouldn't it take she's a phase ghost? Wouldn't it take some energy for her to just simply exist? And wouldn't she need to be able to replenish that energy somehow? I've, it's never I've never been stuck in a permanent phase, so I'm not entirely sure. <laughs> oh, okay, I thought that one time back in the late nineties. <laughs> no, that, that was semi semi permanent. Oh, okay, okay. I, I would always I come out of it and then I'd like eat a sandwich and oh. then I go back into it. Well, it's really lucky for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so so Colossus is is definitely uh he's very angry and he's like if I could find them I would crush them like I did Riptide the one who struck down Nightcrawler. And when he means strike down he means freaking kill. Snapped there, uh, snapped his neck. Mhm. And Storm still reflecting on all of this, taking it all in. She's like, you know, she can't hear Nightcrawler's laughter. Kitty's in a permanent state of phase. And Colossus, the gentlest of souls on the entire team, is just bloodlust hungry. She thinks to herself, I led the X-Men to this and then cries out, bright lady, what have I done? And runs away. She's also like the the, the balloon in front of that is, is very important. She says, and I, who swore never to kill I don't think she's killed anybody, but she led the team that had to deal with all this death. Like, I think that's like that's right. the final nail in the coffin. True that. Uh, Colossus decides to go after her. Magneto, not sure why he's in this panel, just kind of looks on. It's a good drawing yes, of him. Yes, I agree with you. You go. <laughs> Although I'm not sure if it's a good drawing of Magneto or if it's just well inked, because there is a lot of inking going on here. He's got like a Gorbachev on his face. It's like a Gorbachev ink, but it's, I don't know, it works. Callisto points out that Colossus isn't looking so good. Um, Storm races outside. We get five panels of her running through madness and a need to escape. She runs out of the mansion into the forest uh, to the top of a cliffside where there's a lake below. And in a super cool panel, it looks like she flies away, but... We know that she's actually just doing a dive because she doesn't have her powers. She dives into the water, swims over to the opposite shore, um, and then we flip our attention over to Colossus, who was not able to actually go after Storm, but instead went over to see Betsy because he needs help finding Storm, and that's when he freezes and falls over. I I don't think he's going after Betsy. I think Betsy just happens to come across Colossus on the way. He's going... 
he's going after Aurora and bad timing for Betsy. As you said, she he falls on top of her and uh, crushes her to death. That's the last we see of Betsy Braddock. She says, call me Psylocke. <laughs> and then underground, uh, there was uh, Rogue and what, Peter Corsi? Is his name Peter? I don't know what his name is. Mr. Corsi. Um, the guy from the New Mutants. Yeah. Who was hanging out with Sharon Friedlander. Um, Storm last issue sent Rogue and him into the basement to keep guard in case the Marauders were to strike at them. So that's what they're doing. He's got a big gun. It's kind of a Rambo type figure. Oh, he's not wearing a shirt either. He's got a headband on. Like he's ready for action. Is this one of the guys that was like madly in love with like the, remember the two people that were just like making out because of empaths? Yes. Trick. And Sharon is the other one. The okay. nurse. Okay. Uh, so Psylocke, she finds these two standing guard, uh, amongst the tunnels and says, I need help. I'm Colossus. Help me. And him. Honestly, these two guys have been through a lot and they're just like sub characters. Who's that? The Sharon and this, and Mr. Corsi. Oh, I know. His name is Thomas. Okay. Thomas Corsi. Yeah. They're, they're, they really get the shaft. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe Chris Claremont thought he was going to do more with them and he's like, nah, these guys are boring. I, we'll have to keep track of them to figure out when they stop appearing in the comic. I don't think they appear in the X-Men much longer. Okay. But maybe New Mutants. So Storm, or rather Rogue, she flies uh, off and she starts thinking to herself about how badly Peter was hurt and uh, he hasn't shifted back from his armor form. She thinks that maybe she should have seen something like this coming. So she flies into uh, where Betsy and Colossus are. She lifts Colossus off of Betsy. She suggests that she is going to absorb his power, but somehow Betsy knows that if she does that, that will kill him for certain. I'm not sure how Betsy became an expert on how Colossus's powers work, but okay. No, yeah, I don't either. I mean, it would have been much uh, more plausible for Magneto to say, stop, Rogue, I can sense in his metal. That he, you can't do that. Or honestly, Moira McTaggart's there too. Is like, no, don't do that, laddie. Yeah, or lass. We don't know what the react. He's been so beat up in his armored form. We don't know how that would transition to his human form. Don't touch him. But but no, it's Betsy. Or at least if it's going to be Betsy, you should it should be like I can see in his mind that he's super weak. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. She doesn't say any of that though. Uh, but she does say that uh, Rogue, I sensed storm by the lake. Remember, she's English. I sense storm by the lake. (laughs) Y'all do what you can for Peter. I'll corral the boss. And Rogue takes off. Magneto again, not saying anything. He's just looking down. Hmm. I guess approvingly. (laughs) They're doing a good job. All because of my headmastering, I believe. I'm really good at my job. Somebody should go through this issue and add silly thought bubbles to all of the Magneto shots. I wonder where the new mutants are right now. (laughs) Wolverine is still looking around, thinking to himself. He uh, he says, hmm, another X-Factor track mixed in with Marauder Sense and Live Morlocks. Why is he referring to them as another X-Factor track and not, hey, our old friends, the old X-Men? Well, he, he then says Cyclops, Angel, Iceman, Beast, they were the original X-Men. So how come they're part of this X-Factor outfit whose job is hunting down mutants? There it is again, a female scent I know as well as my own. But that can't be, so I won't think it aloud. <laughs> yes. I'm not sure why, like, as as fans, I mean, why would he, why would Wolverine, like, not think Jean, Jean Grey? I mean, X-Men fans probably know that she's a, she's back in X-Factor, even if they're not reading it. 
I don't know. It's a really good question. It's Maybe, just very mysterious. It's just him setting up the fact that he doesn't believe his own senses, I guess. Uh, but it would be just as functional for him to be like, Jean, but that can't be. I saw her die. It's not Jean. Something's wrong. And then and then what happens next could happen next, which is he gets slashed in the back and thrown against a wall. But you're right. We won't hear him think or mutter Jean for a while, for I don't know, 10 or so issues, I think. It's an interesting choice to keep this a mystery from, like, there's no reason this should be a mystery. Right. Well, I can kind of understand. Unless you're reading X-Men and not reading X-Factor and also not aware of anything else going on in comics. I can kind of understand keeping it a mystery from the rest of the X-Men just to create a little bit of drama down the line. Right, right, right. We as the reading audience, uh, we we know this. Like This shouldn't be a secret. Meanwhile, Rogue is out looking for uh, Storm in a panel where it looks like she's playing Quidditch. It, does kinda look <laughs> it totally like, does. It looks like she's riding a, a broom here. But uh, Where's the golden snitch? I don't know. I'm pretty sure J.K. Rowling saw this panel and was like, Oh, Quidditch! Harry <laughs> Potter! I'm going to start writing! Because she's British, too. Of course. <laughs> Anyways, uh, Storm pulls herself up on the beach and she's like, "Ugh, I just don't want to be by anybody. Please go away. Uh, she can't try not to make any noise because uh, she doesn't want Rogue to hear. <laughs> pulls. She tries not to make noise and then she shouts, Goddess, my bright lady of the earth and sky, tell me why. That's a good point. And then it starts. Okay. Does it start raining? Um, No, I think... It's maybe windy. I don't know what's going on. It's not raining, though, because... This is this is a very important point. Maybe it's raining just around her that will like one panel. That next issue will be blown, in my opinion, out of proportion. So wh- when she's ripping her clothes off, is it raining? Because in the next panel where she's running uh, silhouetted through the forest naked, it does not look like it's raining. No, I don't think that's rain. I think that's the forest. Okay. Oh, you're right. So trees. So like the lake is behind her and trees are in front of her. That makes a lot of sense. So it's not raining in this panel. Okay. So she rips off her clothes and she gets naked and she runs through the forest because she's storm. And, you know. She's angry. Clothes, clothes are holding her back. Absolutely. That's what I do when I'm angry. So then we get a kind of a long drawn out uh, what are we going to do with Colossus um, to Pager? Which, in my opinion, it's kind of a neat idea. Uh, and it kind of explores what happens to Colossus when he's wounded in his armored form. Because I don't think it's ever really been talked about or addressed. And what Magneto surmises is that when he gets injured, he loses energy instead of blood. Okay, And in this case, since he, if you remember in what an issue or two ago when he was riddled with all those stars from uh, Riptide, um, right. he would have lost a lot of energy and he's been pushing himself and, and all this stuff. And it finally all came came to him. So if, if, if Rogue would have ab- absorbed his powers, he probably would have had just like a ton of open wounds or just been dead. Right. But in this case, he just can't move. He's, he's in there somewhere. And so Magneto uses his magnetic powers to essentially perform like, I don't know, magneto surgery on him yeah so presumably closing all the metallic wounds and uh he's it's very precise and he's never done anything like this and it takes all of his effort and he almost passes out but he's not gonna let go he's got to do this he has to make this happen and finally it's done he almost falls over and uh, how long this takes he does not know the strain is awful but he endures he has taken life so often but brought harm so easily it almost became a second nature now he has a chance to heal. He will die himself before he fails. And was it enough? 
He or um, Moira McTaggart, or is this Sharon Friedlander? I think it's Sharon. Uh, well, this is Moira because she says, "See for yourself." Ah, uh, see for yourself. And Colossus smiles. He's still in his armored form, but then he says, "Doctor, help me! Why can I not move?" I was never bad at moving before. Just everything else. I always good at moving. <laughs> Colossus, or Magneto, he doesn't understand. He should be healed, not paralyzed. I couldn't make a mistake. I was so careful. I tried so hard. How could this have happened? And we never find out. Nope. Which I'm okay with. Meanwhile, back in the Morlock tunnels, uh, someone says to Wolverine, you ought to be ashamed, bub. I've had more trouble taking out rank amateurs. I know that voice. Figured he'd be here. Massacres are his stock and trade. So whoever this guy is, Wolverine knows him. So it's, it brings out an interesting question. Why did the Marauders leave Sabretooth behind? Well, I feel like we get our answer in Daredevil, maybe, sort of. Daredevil okay. number 238, which we'll we'll talk about a little bit. Uh, it doesn't really make much sense, but it's a loose connection. Anyways, <laughs> he's down here, and he's got the Morlock Healer. Remember the Healer, whose name is Healer? Yeah, he's a very important character. He's helped a lot of people. Yes. Well, he's barely alive, and uh, Sabretooth is is about ready to kill him. Uh, and Wolverine's like, oh, my God, that's Healer. Well, like, we could totally use it, but I can't let Sabretooth know how important he is to me. So I'll pretend he's not. I like how Wolverine says, glad to see you, too. Sabretooth! Been a while. <laughs> That old man, Sabretooth's got the Morlock healer, everything I just said. Here I was figuring this party passed me by when all of a sudden, look who stumbles across my doorstep, says Sabretooth. So further establishing that these two have a prior relationship. You're part of this, says Wolverine, and Sabretooth gives us our, our clue. Our name Mr. drop. Sinister, dealing a game that don't allow for wild cards like the Mech Morlocks or the X-Chumps either. So... Mr. Sinister's dealing a game that don't allow for wild cards like the Morlocks. So, okay, <laughs> we can't obviously read into that because that's that's very vague, very broad. But as we continue reading through the pages of the X Men, I don't think they come up with what they want to do with Mr. Sinister for a long time. Does it ever happen in Chris Claremont's run? I really don't. I, I guess I we'll think, find out. I think the closest we get, but I don't know how it's related to the Mutant Massacre, would be the events of Inferno, because he kind of directs that whole thing. But Ah, well, that makes sense. He couldn't have the Morlocks around for Inferno, right? Yeah, right. So, that, so I'm, <laughs> I'm not saying that there's a connection, but I'm saying that like his... like. The only master plan I can think of is that. And, I mean, obviously another master plan that's kind of interesting that I won't spoil at this point, but we're coming up on it. We'll try to to keep it in mind. Yeah. So. Right now, Mr. Cinnamon, Mr. Cinnamon, Mr. Cinnamon, (laughs) Mr. Uh, Sinister is a name that we do not know. And it's not a good name. That's all right. I never really liked Mister Sinister. I mean, it, it's sounds, a, it's a, it's poetic. There's a name for that, Mister. Sounds Sinister. like a, uh, it sounds like a band, Mister Sinister. Twisted they Sisters, uh, Mister Mister, Mister Sinister. They play, they play like uh, '80s style, uh, new age or uh, new wave, not new age. Very different. <laughs> I don't know. So, so, so line them up. You got Magneto. You got Apocalypse, and then you got Mister. Si- Hi, I'm Mister Sinister. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here to party, y'all. Mr. Sinister. I don't know. I've, Sinister would have been fine. I just don't know why the Mr. has to be in the beginning. Maybe it's just his last name. Hey, I'm Alex Sinister. That's really funny because I was going to do Alex Sinister as well. <laughs> Weird. <laughs> Alex Sinister. 
a.k.a. Just Mr. Sinister. Yeah, Victor Von Doom, right? Alex Sinister. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Do, well, no, we find out his name. But see, that's the other thing is that uh, I feel like they just never had a direction with him. So they just kind of shoehorned him into various things mm. because I don't know. Doesn't he have like a summer's relationship that's kind of munged together like in a long time from now? Yeah, uh, that that feels like something that was just shoehorned in yeah. by other writers. And and I, I'm not even going to clarify or classify that as a spoiler because I, I'm not sure how that story works or, or how that relationship goes. So I think there might be a connection. And if we ever make it that far, we'll all learn it together. <laughs> <laughs> but until then, that was definitely not in the cards at this point, in, is my opinion. So anyways, uh, so he sent the Marauders to resolve the situation because we're the very best there is at what we do, like you used to be. Back in Wolverine Limited series. Yeah. Uh, could have chopped you while you were daydreaming. But where's the sport in that? And that's when round one starts. Oh, but then we flip over to a different panel. Oh, <laughs> where there are some clouds in the background of Callisto and Rogue. Okay, those are definitely clouds. Maybe even lightning. Who knows? And then I think the rain picks up in these additional panels. Okay. Yep, yep. There's some rain. Or I, I think you're right. Or at least it, wind. Is it? Rain or is it wind? I, I feel like it's wind. I think it's, I think it's just wind. I think you're right. Because then there's another panel here where there's like a whole bunch of of uh, leaves blowing off the trees. Yeah, yeah. And and the, the thing behind Aurora is, is definitely blowing in yeah. the wind. So this isn't rain. Storm, this is a windstorm that's occurring right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyways, uh, Storm or Rogue's like, I can't find her, Callisto. Uh, Callisto's like, I'll go get her. And uh, Rogue gives her uh, the vest that she must have found at the shore. Uh, I believe Storm oh, no, gave her that vest in the last issue to cover up her wounds or something. Cover up her bare skin or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So she's kind of been holding on to it for a while. And so, yeah, Callisto goes after Storm and finds her almost immediately. Storm now dressed. She took a conveniently placed dress off of a laundry line. It happens to fit. <laughs> Very pretty, says Callisto, but not your style. Let me pass, Callisto. Let me go. I have done enough, suffered enough. Please let someone else lead the X-Men. And Storm is in a a wide-eyed panic. Good. Kind of a doughy-eyed, vulnerable drawing of Storm. And then Callisto goes into uh, Neanderthal. Yeah, it's not a good drawing. But, I mean, Callisto's never been a a terribly great-looking human being. But this is just... uh, this is really goes hones in on the horse features. Yes. Uh, yeah. She goes, uh, you feel that way. Why did you take the job in the first place? I thought I was needed. Perhaps I still am as a grave digger. Poor baby. You figure you're the only one who's had it rough. And Callisto smacks her across the face. Guess again, Windrider. We've all been hurt and things will probably get a whole lot worse before it's over. And really, you got to think to yourself, like, Storm, like, nobody on your team died. You've got a couple wounded. Like, 90% of my people who I was charged with looking after are dead. That's true. You got it hard. Like, I don't want to hear your story. Life for the Morlocks and X-Men both will never be the same, but no way will I abandon the ones who were left, says Callisto. Yeah, Storm, Storm's very sensitive. In this issue. Well, in, in general. I mean, she goes through, she goes, she has an emotional uh, scope. And maybe that's, maybe her kind of facade has cracked. Like, this is... This is the first real, like, they've been in murder world and fought people like Arcade and, and they've all left. 
with a happy ending, but this is like the first time where things just got real and maybe, uh, yeah, this is just her way of dealing with it. Yeah. Um, and ultimately persevering as a stronger person. She's having a panic attack. Yeah. I, okay. I can go with that. So she takes off. She, she's running through the woods and Callisto is like following after her. The X-Men put their trust in you. They put their trust in us. That makes us obliged to be true to them. In other words, set your crap behind and, and lead. You can run from me, Aurora, but what about yourself? Leave me alone. Make me. And then they start fighting. So they got them fighting, and then we flip over to a page of Wolverine and Sabretooth fighting. That just kind of banding back and forth. You're fast, I'm faster, you're strong, I'm stronger, you kill, I'm a killer. Love the taste of blood, boy, especially yours. Because he's he, presumably he's tasted his blood before. Oh, yeah. We know this because we read classic X-Men, and we know that every year on Wolverine's birthday, Sabretooth rips <laughs> out his throat. Sabretooth also reveals that he knows about his healing factor. It won't save you when I rip out your heart. Right. Although nowadays it probably would. <laughs> Isn't Wolverine dead? No, old man Logan is the Wolverine now. Is the only Wolverine? No, well, there's, you know, his... There's there's Laura, the X-23. She's not Wolverine. She is Wolverine now. Yeah, but she's not Logan Wolverine. Well, she's not Logan, but she's taking on the name the Wolverine. Got it. And there's another clone of her out named Gabby. <laughs> and they're hanging out with Wolverine's son, Dakin. <laughs> I can't keep up with all that. <laughs> so they continue fighting. Uh, Sabretooth lunges after Wolverine, who jumps over him and swings at a pile of rubble. What are you doing? Bringing down the house. Tunnel was weak. Figured it wouldn't take much to collapse it. We ain't finished, boy, you and me. Not by a long shot. Maybe not, but this fight is. Who's the guy who played um, um, Yondo in, in Guardians of the Galaxy? Oh, uh... Michael Rooker? Is that his name? I only know him from uh, Merle on Walking Dead. Yeah, that guy. He, he, he'd make a good Sabretooth, I think. He would make, I think you're right, I think he would make an excellent Sabretooth. He, yeah, he's got the right voice, the right build. Totally see If it. only Marvel didn't buy, or Disney didn't buy Fox, we could see it. <laughs> I, don't, I don't understand. But now he... But now he can't be. Oh, you're right, because he's Yondo. And I think there's like an yeah. agreement that once you're one Marvel character, you can never be another Marvel character. Yeah. Well, I mean, it makes sense. Yeah, right. Well, but they could reuse Yondo. I mean, he was all blue and he, Yondo's dead. So they could they could just have. Yeah, I suppose so. I'd right. be OK with it, honestly. I mean, you just can't have like, uh, 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 I don't know, Captain America play two characters because, you know, that's a major character. I guess yeah. I'm not saying Yondo wasn't, but he's dead and he was blue. Unless, unless, yeah, but but that that actor only has one. Like he acts like that. Yeah, <laughs> that's how he was as Merle. That's how he was as this. Yeah, I don't know that he you he would not be. You would recognize him immediately as oh, it's the guy that played Yondo. Yeah, but I think the average moviegoer would not be like, hey, is that the guy from Guardians of the Galaxy? I think yeah, so. Yeah. I think a a, uh, a um, somebody who pays better attention would have to be like, hey, trivia, you know who that guy is? He's Yondo. Who's Yondo? Oh, you know, the blue guy from Guardians of the Galaxy. Which one? The father-like figure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Anyhow, um, so Wolverine did this um, because they were just too evenly matched. He needed to get this healer back, and they could have just fought for weeks without declaring a winner. 
And uh, he also does a little bit of self-discovery uh, here. I've learned about honor, a hard road, more often than not, but worth the effort. He picks up Healer and he takes him back down the tunnels of the sewers and we cut back to the fight between Storm and Callisto, who says that she has no she she has no right not to lead the X-Men. She's If she punks out, if she rabbits, what's to say the Colossus and Nightcrawler and Sh- Shadowcat, the ones who died and the ones still hanging on if the X-Men... Uh, Blah, blah. <laughs> no, I, all of that's blah, blah, blah. But I do like the exchange. I have no right to leave the X-Men. You have no right not to. Those are powerful words. Why did they shed their blood? That's a delt that can't be welched on. Yep. Suck it up, Storm. Get over your crap and lead your team. And someday, to take back leadership of the Morlocks, I may kill you. But I've also come to respect you, Aurora. Uh, and I mean to see you worthy of that respect and of yourself. So Storm seemingly begrudgingly takes the uh, leather vest. And again, throughout this entire fight, it's windy. It's very windy. <laughs> well, if Callisto admires me, then maybe I'm okay. Meanwhile, uh, at the tunnels, Wolverine brings back Healer. He gets welcomed by Thomas Corsi and Rogue. They get ready to take him to the infirmary. Wolverine mentions that he spelled the new mutants all over the tunnels. Yep, uh, and that's when the tunnels explode, tying us back to the Thor issue. Yep, this is where Thor wipes everybody out, or I guess all the bodies. Tunnels scoured clean as far as you can, as far as the eye can see, Wolvie, the kids. We're 40 miles from Manhattan. They're dead. Yep, if the pulse hit them, then they're dead. Learn the fate of the New Mutants and New Mutants number 48. Well, here next, Psylocke also known as Betsy Braddock. <laughs> She's new on the team. She's a telepath. Oh, yeah. Okay, so we got some fan email. Uh, we got one here from David in Phoenix. He says he's listened to the last 20 or so episodes using the Podcast Addict app on his smartphone. Um, I think that's the name of an app, Podcast Addict. I, I guess so. Okay. Um, good. I always like to hear uh, suggestions for podcatchers, as they used to be called, because I'm not a big fan of the Apple podcast app. So on iPhone, I use Downcast, and I don't know what they have on Android. Maybe maybe Podcast Addict is one. But anyways, he says, I love the podcast. Keep it up. My favorite parts are when you guys go off script and say ridiculous stuff. Well, that's like all the time. 90%. <laughs> Growing up, I used to watch the awesome X-Men cartoon after school in the 90s. I always used to think Xavier was, uh, I'm sorry. Xavier was kind of like Martin Luther King and Magneto was Malcolm X and mutants being non-whites. I'm writing to say uh, thanks for the podcast and also because you guys said you were thinking about playing an RPG game for your anniversary. I have GM'd for a couple of years and would gladly run a game for you guys, although I would have to brush up on my Marvel lore. That sounds like an awesome idea, although my, my problem is like... If I don't know somebody, I I get really shy and quiet. So I, I, I might not be so great at that. But it sounds like a super cool idea for like a, a supplementary podcast or something. Yeah, we talked about somehow, and I bet you you could get all this in PDF format these days, but there was that old Marvel superheroes uh, role-playing game um, that could be, I yeah, it would be fun to maybe do that again. So David, we will keep that in our back pocket and maybe we could figure out a way to do like a Skype RPG. We'll just have to have a few, uh, optic blasts to get over our nervousness and stuff. And then yeah, we'll... yeah, exactly. Get, get me drunk and I'll be way good for it. But even, even, you know, in my dungeons and dragons and, and Marvel superheroes, I never like 
got into the character and was like, Lo, thee, I do magic <laughs> missile. Uh, I mean, I just said, like, I'm going to shoot him with a magic missile, roll the die, and be like, oh, shoot, I missed. Yeah, we might not be the most interesting people. <laughs> but we'll, we'll, if, if we drink, we might be. Yeah. We might be. Might make it okay. Yeah, that's possible. And then, of course, the, the analogy for um, – uh, uh, I mean, you can use mutants as an analogy for anything, really. And, of course, I think when I was growing up, the most obvious analogy was probably racism. Uh, but, I mean, now you could – you could look at it as an analogy for um, sexism, racism. Uh, what do you call it? Like bigotry? Uh, any any one of those. Uh, ins- homophobia. Homophobia. That's the one that I was looking for. And then, is there like a transophobia? I figure. I feel like there should be. But, um, anyways, any one of those. Like you just you can just put that where mutant is or mutant where that is, and you totally have an analogy. And then whatever leaders you want to look at. Uh, although I do like uh, the Malcolm X reference. Uh, for um well yeah i mean it works because martin luther king and magneto both were very uh ideological and but very different right and uh uh malcolm x's ways were maybe a little bit more extreme and not maybe they were a little bit they were more extreme um but he had altruistic uh intentions whereas i feel like most and maybe not so much anymore but like dr doom is just like he's evil uh, and Magneto right. in the early days was evil. But then when Chris Claremont started writing him, he started saying, well, he's evil be- because of these things that happened to him. And he's going about trying to uh, bring equality or probably superiority to mutants uh, because of all these things that have happened to him. But, but yes. Uh, I never like you. You watched the cartoon more than uh, I did. Mm-hmm. Was the was the cartoon pretty clear cut in that? Uh, I honestly don't remember how Magneto was portrayed, but I mean, it was, it came out in the nineties. So however Magneto was being written in the comics is probably how he's being written in the cartoon. But yes, I mean, mutants were definitely put upon. There was lots of Sentinel issues. They did a days of future past, um, uh, uh, two parter, I think. So yeah, they definitely played up the, um, you know, mutant hunting, mutant fear, mutant hatred uh, in the cartoon. Good cartoon. It's a great cartoon. I wonder if it holds up. What's uh... it? Nothing ever. I don't know. It's very, very few things actually hold up. If you go back and you watch He-Man, weren't you telling me this, that it's terrible? (laughs) Well, terribly awesome, I think. (laughs) Like, I bought the DVD because it was the entire run of He-Man for like $12 or something. Uh, Like, you wouldn't sit down and watch He-Man and be like, oh, this is great. But you would maybe throw it on in the background of a party and people would every now and then be like, oh, that's He-Man. That's funny. And then go back to like whatever they were doing. <laughs> like for that, it it's fun. But yeah, I don't think one could ever go back and like rewatch He Man. Uh, now Transformers season one, on the other hand, it's, that's some pretty solid stuff. I I don't know that I'll ever find the time to go back and watch all that stuff. I would like to, but I just don't have that kind of. I can't commit to that. It was just like, am I really going to do this? <laughs> well, the wonderful thing about Transformers season one is it's like twelve uh, episodes, not like. G.I. Joe, where season one's like like the entire syndicated run is season one. So if you ever find it on Blu-ray or DVD or whatever, like season one is 14, 15 episodes. And then season two is like 30. And that's, right. that's where it all kind of like, meh, is all. But like the first run of, of Transformers, I feel is, is pretty solid. Do you have uh, Netflix? I do have Netflix. There is uh, recently a show. It's four parts. It's called The Toys That Made Us. It's a four-part documentary, and each each episode 
goes into the history of toys. And the first episode is Star Wars. The second episode is Barbie. The third episode is He-Man. And the fourth episode is G.I. Joe. Uh, supposedly there's going to be more episodes, so I'm assuming they're going to do Transformers. But I watched them, and I enjoyed them so much, I watched them like back-to-back. Uh, it's a really good show. That sounds right up my alley. I will totally check that out. The toys that... There's so much good content on Netflix. I don't mean to get off on a even, even the Barbie episode, which I expected not to really have a connection to, it's it, it was it was fascinating. Yeah, yeah. I can totally see that being fascinating. Uh, yeah, the other, so last time I watched the X-Men to try to bring us back full circle was maybe five, six years ago. They were running them on, I don't know, Spike TV or something like that. Uh, and it was at a, at, at the right time in my life where I had the time and it was on the right time during the day where I could actually watch it. Uh, and I got through, I don't think I finished it, but I watched like, cause there's like four or five seasons, aren't there? It ran, it, it ran for a while. Uh, but I got to a point where they introduced Mr. Sinister, and then for some reason I stopped watching. So it all comes full circle back to Mr. Sinister. Wow, nice. <laughs> um, anyways, yeah, so we also got a, a iTunes review from TGTG, uh, who says, Good stuff. Great way to catch up on the history of the X-Men. Probably not the best way to catch up on the history of the X-Men, but, you know, a way. He doesn't say best. He says great. Um, it, yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. I don't know why I'm having such trouble taking this compliment. Thank you, TGTG. I mean, whether or not you find the the content of what we provide entertaining or funny, you can't argue with the fact that we're bringing you the history of the X-Men, right? Well, like we, that I mean, is true. We may not have details about how they interact with the other or the rest of the Marvel Universe or even some of the creative talent behind it, but we did tell you about Sauron and, and we did tell you about the Savage Land. Like, those things happened. We are definitely not the abbreviated history of the X-Men, though. <laughs> yes, we're the very long-winded, will-it-ever-end history of the X-Men. So thank you for that, TGTG. And if you'd like to get a hold of us, uh, please do so at www.xmenpodcast.com, facebook.com forward slash Danger Room Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Danger Room Go. Email us, dangerroom at redcatproductions.com. Or go out to iTunes, switch over to the store, go to the podcast section and type in Danger Room for the first podcast that will show up there. And you can also call us at 501-GET-X-MEN. That's 501-438-9636. And our theme music is provided by Laszlo Hollyfeld. Speaking of uh, phone calls, we have a, a promised part two of a phone call. We do. And we're going to make that play right now. Right now. <laughs> Hang on. Right now. I've been a big X-Men fan for a long time. And I got into comic books by when I was a very young child. I would go to my grandparents' house and I found my father's old comic books. They were all DC, like The Flash and Batman. And I was like, hey, these are cool. These are what I want to read. And on my comic research, I found that I really liked the X-Men. And the comics that I really loved were the ones drawn by Jim Lee because I loved the artwork. They were so vibrant and the the detailing on the faces and the costumes and just the little things you would put in, like people straightening their tie in the background. I really loved. So I got into to the X-Men that way. And I was a 90s kid. <laughs> and Rogue and Gambit were my all-time favorites. I loved the, the bantering between the two of them. And it turns out that my now husband, uh, he liked Gambit as well because he would play him in, like, video games and he'd watch the cartoon series. So 
uh, we'd been dating for a while, and we went to the Denver Comic-Con. I'm from South Dakota. Crazy. We were dressed as Rogue and Gambit. I made our costumes. And he ended up proposing to me in costume on the photo stage there. And it was amazing and awesome. And somebody got that on a video camera. It was it was super cool. So for our wedding, our wedding rehearsal, we actually did that all in costume. So we have pictures of our, like, our wedding party all in costumes and we're dressed as Rogue and Gambit. It was pretty cool. Um, anyway, I just wanted to say I love your podcast. And I am infecting South Dakota's Rapid City area with knowledge of your podcast and the danger of beauty that's going on with it keep up the good work yeah you guys make me chuckle i'm currently just getting into the hundreds and i love it and i listen to the current ones along with the old ones so keep it up man you keep me going when it's like 3 a.m and i'm sewing costumes so great work keep me laughing thanks guys that is amazing interesting enough jeremy and i also wear rogue and gambit costumes we alternate on who is which character when we record this podcast yeah and then even more interestingly uh we also got married in our rogue and gambit costumes mm-hmm. to each other little little known fact <laughs> uh yeah, that's awesome i i uh man it almost brought a little tear to my eye this is just the part about the engagement but then the fact that they got married in costume that's some love and commitment to the x-men there's no way I could have gotten my wife to dress up as any of the X-Men. <laughs> but uh, thanks. And uh, apparently, Adam, I think I just heard that we're huge in South Carolina. Yeah, thanks for spreading the word. That's that's super awesome. And, you know, if you ever find yourself with a, a costume that's maybe got a little extra space in the waist, you know, uh, for, for an older gentleman, you know, doesn't have to be, you know, one of the main characters, but you know, you just like, Oh, what am I gonna do with this costume? Um, I could find a home for it. Jeremy's a huge fan of cable. (laughs) Oh man. That just seems like too much baggage. Like too many, too many things, too many pouches. Although I would have to imagine, did, did Gambit had a lot of pouches, didn't he? Uh, maybe he, he had a well, he had a trench coat. He had the trench coat, so he he didn't have too many pouches. No, it wasn't really until uh, uh, uh what what's it, Liefeld came along that we got lots and lots of pouches. So well, we did notice the long shot had pouches. That's true. Uh, there you go. So uh, yeah. Thanks. Thanks a lot for listening. And thanks a lot for that wonderful two-part message. It was like a confession, like an X-Men confessional. Maybe that's what we should should rename the segment of the show is, you know, call us, leave your X-Men confession uh, or whatever. And and we we run that as a little segment. I like it. Yeah, me too. So let's see if we can make that happen in the year 2018. Thank you, Bridget. Yep. So uh, there you go. Um, Yeah. We got more to read, though. We sure do. Or at least more to summarize. Pause your episode because we're we're cutting in for a long one. (laughs) Settle in. (laughs) If you're where it's cold, make yourself a hot toddy. Put on your wool socks and stoke the fire. Here we go. Adam, you ever have a hot toddy? I love hot toddies. They're good. Yeah. I haven't mastered the technique, though. But I know people that can do it real well. Somebody should take a hot toddy and turn it into a magma themed drink wouldn't you just throw like some grenadine or some red food coloring in there uh throwing red food coloring in just sounds like a bad idea <laughs> yeah i mean that's that's cheating right because i mean <laughs> food coloring's not a flavor <laughs> yeah it has to be like some sort of uh i don't know you could give it you could give it like a, a roman theme mm, yeah true true I, I don't know what that would be but we're sending you to work dear listeners so, um, X-Men, or rather, X-Factor <clears throat> number 11 here, continuing the mutant massacre, kind of, I guess. 
Um, Before you start this, I got to say, yes. this is like my favorite X Factor cover of all time because I, all I can hear is the Peanuts theme going in the background and Cyclops is rocking the heck out. Do, 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 do. Do you, you think he's like dancing in the Christmas special? I think he has, he has in, in an animated thing, he would have like, this is one end of his move and the other end is you you just trying to turn him up on his side. Sure. And he's like going back and forth. Yeah. Yeah. He's totally rocking. So it's kind of like the Snoopy dance in every, where he puts his head straight up and just like bobs back and forth. Yeah. Yeah. No, uh, I've never really thought that just due to the angst uh, on his face and the optic blasts that are firing <laughs> from his mask. But uh, Cyclops I mean, can't dance without blasting things. <laughs> my he's deadly like, eyes. My eyes. My eyes. My eyes. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, now that you say it and, you know, you put a couple frames of animation in there. I, I can totally see it. I can, I can see that. Somebody please do that. <laughs> So this issue is, uh, I don't know, it's kind of a, to me, it's kind of a filler issue. I feel like Mutant Massacre is done. Yeah, like it was two issues and they're like, shoot, we have like a four issue roadmap here. Um, But it's kind of interesting. We get to meet, so I always thought Mask was a Morlock, but apparently uh, he's part of this Morlock sect called the, do you remember what they're called? The Tunnelers. The I feel tunnelers. like this is something that was created for this issue and never visited again. Well, were the Tunnelers the the people that kidnapped Katie Power? Because Mask was a part of that. Okay, but I thought I always thought Mask was hanging out with uh, Callisto. Or yeah, me too. But remember, the, there was an issue where Kitty uh, and other X Men, maybe Nightcrawler. Went down in the Morlock tunnels, and we met an offshoot of the Morlocks that also had a different yeah. name. Were they time I, tunnelers? I, I recall those. I don't know if they were tunnelers, but I do recall that. Yeah. So there's drain dwellers and tunnelers, and the ones that we're familiar with, um, such as Erg and Tar Baby, are drain dwellers. I thought they were the other ones because wasn't it those guys that kidnapped? Yeah. Anna, Anna Lee kidnapped uh, the Power Pack kids. Yeah. I don't so anyways, these tunnelers, uh, there's a you know, mistaken identity. They think X-Factor is uh, the Mor- or the, the Marauders, but they're not. And they fight for a little bit. And X-Factor's like, why don't you come back to our base? We got some other Morlocks and we can offer you security. And there's this dude that we've never met before with a mohawk. Um, he's the guy that's shooting Cyclops on the cover. And there's this girl that turns into a lizard who we've also never met before. And then her name is Scaleface. Her name is right. They paid. They spent a lot of time coming up with these names. I, uh, how did like how do the the Morlocks have such terrible names? They're so they're so mean to each other. And then there's like Pipe Man who he's Blowhard. Yeah, his name is Blowhard. He does something to his pipe, and that's his mutant ability he looks like a cartoon character which i kind of like he kind of looks like uh uh doctor not dr wiley but doctor uh, dr eggman from sonic oh okay <laughs> with just that wild crazy hair and i think i doctor, got very far in sonic yeah that's because the only good levels are like the first two and then the rest of the game is pretty boring yeah <laughs> <laughs> anyways uh through all of this they're they're bringing um angel back um, Artie is showing some imagery to Gene and Cyclops of Angel and Gene embracing. Which essentially is to catch us up. Yeah. And Cyclops, he's like, oh my God, I knew this would happen. But then he kind of uh, kind of very quickly reframes it all in his head. And he's like, no, no, I, this is all on me. This is my fault. Blah, blah, blah. Like I'm not, if, 
if after all this is done, they want to be together, I won't stand in their way. So he's 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 trying to be a bigger man about this whole thing. He knows he's screwed up. And Artie comes up and grabs his hand with a big question mark, and he says, "It's all right, Artie. I'm okay. I'm going to be fine." Yep. And so that's there's some more action with the tunnelers. The tunnelers, I think, realize that they're in going into X Factor's base, and then Skids comes out, and she's like, "No, no, I was confused too, but it's cool. It's all right." And uh, they're like, no, uh, we can't handle this. So they they stay there for a little while, but then they leave. Um, also, the Thor thing happens again. Yeah, you're right. It does. The explosion. And they, they barely escape it. That's right. And so as they're trying to leave, the whole building is surrounded by uh, protesters and the police because it's been revealed that the Angel, a.k.a. Warren Worthington, is the primary backer of X Factor. We knew that already as well. But as the tunnelers leave... Um, see, I always thought Mask had the ability to change faces, but he's able to completely make these people look different. Like the Mohawk guy. I don't know if the Mohawk is hair or if it's like a piece of his scalp or what it is, but that he, goes away. Yeah, he, he remolds it somehow. Right. Into hair. I don't know. It's very confusing. But and the, then he's able to bring it back at like the drop of a hat. Like he touches him and it's like, bing! It's back, yeah. And then there's also this uh, little story of um, these two cops. Uh, one of the cops is like, muties aren't bad. And the other guy's like, oh, muties are the worst thing ever. And we, The story goes nowhere and provides nothing. It, it could have, though, at the end. It provides, it provides a worldview, which is nice. But then it doesn't go anywhere. Well, I have a question about that. And when I get there, I'll ask it. Um, so anyways, yeah, these uh, blowhard, he gets shot. Um, the gladiator guy, I think his name is gladiator. The Mohawk dude, he berserker berserker. Uh, he goes into a rage and scale face goes into a rage. And I don't know. We fast forward a little bit um, and see that uh, Gene and Scott see a deformed face on the TV and they realize, okay, the mask must be at work. We got to go. So they leave An Angel in the hands of the doctors. Meanwhile, Apocalypse makes an appearance and finds a guy named Abraham. Uh, do we know this person or is this just a, a new person? We do not know him from the pages of X-Men or New Mutants. I believe he is a new creation for this. Okay. Um, his name is Abraham Lincoln Kiros, and he lies in an iron lung. He was an army vet. Uh, and Apocalypse is like, hey, I can offer you something better. Um, you can be war. He never says okay. He doesn't. Well, I don't think he can. I think he's like completely and utterly paralyzed. Like, I don't think he can well, talk. He's able to talk. He talks. Does he? Oh, you're right. He's yeah, like, he... I, I know you. He does talk. And Apocalypse, I don't know, kidnaps him, <laughs> I guess. So uh, Gene and, and Cyclops meet uh, Scaleface and Berserker on the pier, and they're trying to save them. Uh, there's these cops that we were talking about who are still debating, like, the pros and cons of mutants when Scaleface turns into a giant lizard. And one cop says, she's doing it again, Joe. Fire, fire, she'll kill us all, she'll kill us all. And I think it's Joe, the guy who's always been like, oh, the mutants are okay. I think it's him who goes... Halt, halt, or I'll shoot. And he does, and he kills Scaleface. And he's like, yeah, it, is, no. it, is, it is him. It's it's not it's not done very well because they they show a two shot of them, and then they cut to what it looks like it's the guy on the right, but it's actually the guy on the left. It's not done well. And we know it's the guy on the left because he's. I I had to I I had to look at this for a while to be like, okay, now if 
if the guy who hates mutants shot, then this whole thing was for nothing. But if it's the guy who is like defending mutants, then it kind of creates yeah. a moral quandary. So I had to look at this a lot, and I, I finally triangulated based on where the uh, cop lights are, that he's the yes, closest exactly. to the cop lights. So it's yeah. got to be him, even though it looks like it's a cop who's leaning over the hood of a car, which the kind of the mutant racist guy is. So anyways, that's interesting, I guess. Um, and he, he even has remorse later. Yeah. And so Berserker, he runs like, scale base, no. And that that's it when he just lets loose and he's, he's shooting, he blows up the car and he's just going crazy. And uh, Cyclops tries, kind of tries, to stop him, but ends up, well, he ends up killing Berserker. Interesting note. Um, this is Blowhard's last appearance, but Berserker and Scaleface will appear later. Really? Actually, it looks like uh, Berserker comes back from the dead, so he he's like a zombie. Oh, okay. But I, I don't know what Scaleface's deal is. She comes back in She-Hulk, so hmm. apparently she didn't die. Okay. And so... Gene is like, oh, Scott, you had no choice. There's nothing you could have done. Like, I'm not mad at you. Cyclops, though, is very, what would you call this face? Pouty? <laughs> oh, the face up at the top or not the face when they're flying away? No, not that face. Okay. <laughs> he's, he's very pouty about this whole thing. Uh, and so they take Mask back to X-Factor headquarters. And yes, the cop shows some remorse. And then as an epilogue to the issue... Uh, your favorite, my favorite, the Vanisher shows up. Yay! And he's run, what? yeah, he's running a ring of teenage petty thieves. That's Professor X. No, it's not. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's the Vanisher. And one of his teen thieves is none other than Tabitha Boom Boom. Did she have a last name? Uh, probably. Can't remember what it is. And so she makes a bomb and blows, tries to blow up Vanisher, but he vanishes and comes back. Well, it's a tiny bomb. Yeah. she. I don't think she was trying to kill oh. him. You obnoxious little runt. Tabitha Smith. Tabitha. And she says, uh, you've got no sense of humor. Not like my friend, the Beyonder. I'm quitting dun, dun, your, dun. Little, your little band of little girl thieves, or all girl thieves. And if you bother me again, I'll call X Factor on you. Then, as Gene and Cyclops walk back into the hospital room to see how Angel is doing, the doctor says, We did all that we could, but it's no use. The wings will have to come off. What? Whoa. Second appearance of Boom Boom. Who cares about all that Angel stuff? Yeah. It's, a, it's, very, it's very soap opera-esque, which I, I like about it. The wings will have to come off. I mean, overall, this issue is not, not bad. I did kind of say it was a filler. Uh, it but is it's, kind of a filler. It's only a filler in that, like, you were right. Like, Mutant Massacre is over, and now they're just like, well, how do we how do we fill pages to tie this whole thing together? Um, because I think technically the next issue of X... No, we're out of Mutant Massacre for X-Factor. We're point. technically out of Mutant Massacre for Uncanny X-Men as well. However, I think they the map still calls the next issue part of, like, the little map that they have calls it a part of it. But it doesn't... It doesn't feel like we're in it anymore. 213, yeah. Well, I mean, Sabretooth is in it, but that's the only thing that's really, I don't know, connected. That's more of a Sabretooth story than a Mutant Massacre story. But another issue that is somewhat tied to the Mutant Massacre, which is not on the map, is Daredevil number 238. This one's not on the map? I don't think so. I'm looking I at the map. this one was on the map. I'm pretty sure it's... Let me look again. have to look at the map. Um, Back. Just had it this open. Is... 
Oh, yeah, you're right. It's not on the map. Yeah, you got Thors, you got New Mutants, you got Power Packs, but you got no Daredevils. Well, just put the Daredevil in the spot where Uncanny X-Men 213 is, and we're set. I think that works, because is there a fiery explosion in this issue? This one takes place after the fiery explosion. And so, really, all this is, is it's showing that the mutant, or the Morlock tunnels are empty, and they're up for grabs, and gangs are kind of fighting off over that turf. But for some reason, Sabretooth is living down there, and he takes a mate, which is really weird. This is oh, this whole issue is bizarre. Like, I, I don't know if all Daredevil issues are like this, or if this is just like a one-off, And but man, this, this is it's so weird. There's so much going on here that uh, 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 I is trying to say something, but I don't know what it is. And I don't either. Like, I know that there's runs. And as a matter of fact, uh, the next issue of Daredevil. Uh, so I was reading this whole thing. I was like, blah, 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 whatever. Because it's not really that great of an issue. But the next issue is called um, Rot Gut. That's the first one of the first Marvel comics I bought was like a four pack of comics. And in that four pack of comics was Daredevil 239 with Rot Gut. And that is a seriously dark uh, issue. Hmm. Um, so I think the whole point, like, I, I don't know when Daredevil was created, but probably Frank Miller came along and flipped it just like he flipped Batman and said, nope, Daredevil is not a cutesy superhero. Well, I think we're, I, I think we're, yeah, we're past the Frank Miller stage. Yes. You know what this feels like? I just really, Anna Senti wrote this. And I think every time she writes something, I just get really confused. She's like, she wrote the Beauty and the Beast thing that didn't make a, sen- a lot of sense all the time. I just think she's finding herself or something. There's a, there's a lot in here. There's like a dog fight. Yeah, there's, yeah. There's, there's a little boy with a helmet on yep. watching a scary movie and her dad yells at him. There's, there's a father yelling at uh, Daredevil for saving his life because he doesn't need his help and the superheroes burnt down his store. Um, there's a cat killing a rat. Um, oh, which is like a parallel for Sabretooth. It's like a parallel for Sabretooth. The characterization of Sabretooth is essentially more animal than man. Yeah. Which will get dropped very shortly. So I'm thinking maybe like Sabretooth was in the Thor blast and he's he's still recovering. No, well, I mean, yeah. But that's not – I don't think that's what anybody intended as they wrote Oh, these. no, of course not. I, but, you know, continuity in my head wants that to be the reason why Sabretooth is like this. That would have made for a far cooler story if he's just like all burnt and just feral and acting out of animal uh, animalistic uh, instincts. And then throughout the issue, we see him get maybe more and more human till finally he's like, oh, i got to report back to Mr. Sinister. Did kids in the 80s like wearing – bike helmets or is this just artists like drawing bike helmets i don't know man because there's another kid uh that'll show up in inferno for the four-part exterminators run who also wears a helmet for some reason and it's, and it's not this kid we got the kids in long shot doing it i don't know and it's like it's it's not just any helmet it's like an evil knievel helmet yeah <laughs> a laser tag kind of looks <laughs> like a laser tag helmet those were cool it, yeah it sort of does captain power yeah 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 but bottom line, Sabretooth kidnaps a girl and... And, and he, he doesn't do anything to her. He just keeps her because he kind of doesn't know what to do with her. He's going, he's running on instinct. He doesn't hurt her until the end of the story when he flips out and tries to slash her throat. But she says, he, he was very gentle to me. I'm shocked that he hurt me. And then and then she kind of makes it all right for Daredevil. She's like, I've heard of you sometimes when I'd be out at night, I'd wonder if you were real... Um, it's so good to know you exist. I just wanted you to know that. So now after Daredevil 
you know, he dealt with this dog thing. He dealt with this guy who's just like, I don't need your help. You superheroes are more trouble than you're worth. He finally gets a little redemption. But this whole issue to me kind of, and I'm not saying it's a bad issue. It's, it's a little jumbly, but it kind of feels like Anne Nascente is trying to write something dark, but it's not really. It's just a lot of things happening that don't necessarily feel like they connect. And I, I feel like there's an overall theme that I'm just missing here or, or maybe I'm thinking about it too deeply. Maybe. I mean, especially since it says it's a mutant massacre tie-in. The only tie-in is that he's living in the tunnels for some reason, and all the gangs are trying to claim Morlock tunnels as turf. Uh, and that's really the only connection. And the little kid in the bike helmet, they encounter Sabretooth, and they're all freaked out. And the little kid says, Daredevil's where it's at. You suck. And the guy's like, oh, oh uh, Sabretooth right. says, well, I'm going to go get Daredevil then, because I don't, I don't suck. Yeah, that's... <laughs> I forgot about that. And Daredevil, when they do actually meet, Daredevil's like, what do you have against me? And he's like, oh, I heard you were like the king of this area, so I decided to knock you down a peg. I want to kill you because you exist, which <laughs> goes back to what the girl said about it. It's great that you exist. Yeah. Um, there's a reference to some slime monster mutant ninja alligators, which makes me wonder when the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles were around. That's got to be a reference, right? I don't think so. That's way too coincidental. I'm thinking it's a reference to the alligators that the Piper dude. Yeah, but they say mutant ninja alligators. Come on. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm sure it's a reference. It's got to be. <laughs> yeah, so that's Daredevil 238. Yeah. Also, uh, keeping up with the new mutants, I did. What issue is this? Uh, 47. So where we last left off, um, Magus was attacking them. And they transported to Limbo. Uh, they have a couple. Everybody wakes up in Limbo. And uh, what is this girl's name? Magic gets a new red costume that she quickly abandons. And then uh, Magic Magus takes over Limbo. So they have to leave uh, Limbo. And then in the panic of teleportation where they're getting attacked by Magus, um, Magic just teleports all of the new mutants anywhere or any when. And they end up in ancient Scotland a long time ago, which Rain knows a bit, a little bit of the history about. They meet a, a old timey king, Robert, somebody, which I don't know anything about Scottish history. Um, Danny does her little fear power on Magus and realizes that the one thing he fears is warlock, which is interesting. We get a we get a cut back to Moira and Magneto worrying about the new mutants. Magneto feels like they're still alive, even though they don't know where they are, because Brightwind would probably not remain if Danny were dead. It's interesting logic. Hmm. Works for me. Sure. Um, and they decide to leave Scotland because they figure that Magus is eventually going to figure out where they are. Uh, they're worried that Magus has taken over uh, Limbo, so Warlock offers to go into Limbo, and either way, it'll it'll save them because if Magus is there, he'll kill Warlock, and the new ones will be safe. And if he isn't there, then he can scout ahead and let the new mutants know and he'll be he'll be able to detect whether he's there or not he goes to limbo and he he says that the coast is clear and so they teleport back to limbo it's kind of a filler but is there they're doing some they're doing some time travel stuff yeah they're done with a mutant massacre yeah definitely they're they're about to do their i think in the next episode they teleport to days of future past world really i think so hmm. i know it's coming might be the next one 
I am, yeah, I'm going to continue checking it out because I'm kind of curious as to how they get uh, get in with Cable and what happens with Magneto. Oh, we got a while till that happens. <laughs> so anyhow, yeah, there you go. So uh, it's it's 2018 and you know what that means. Stats. Yeah, well, we're a little late. Yeah, that's okay. That's Nobody okay. Cares. I, I, yeah, I don't care. <laughs> All right. So, how do we do this again, Adam? I, you have to remind remind me of this every year. Um, you're supposed to guess based on how many uh, issues mm. we covered in previous years or episodes, rather, how many we did uh, this year. Yeah. So let me just see. In 2011, we did 27. We've been doing this since 2011. In 2011, we did 27 episodes. We started late that year, so that's yep, yep. not a good uh, not a good benchmark. Yeah, 2012, we did 39. 2013, we did 40. 2014, we did 39 again. Okay. 2015, we did 30. Mm. Going back a little bit. Mm-hmm. 2016, we did 29. Woof. How many do you think we did last year? 2017. Well, all right. So uh, I'm going to have to work backward a little bit. So <clears throat> I feel like, how many did we, we do? You said we did 20 in, in, uh, in 2016? 2016, we did 29. 29. Oh, okay. And in 2015, we did 30. Okay. Okay. So we've never fallen below 29 other than t- 2011? That is correct. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> so I know that, and I think I do this every year, is to set the goal to do more episodes than we did the previous season, the previous year. Um, and I know that we started out pretty darn strong uh, for 2017, but I, I know we finished weekly be- because of some some stuff I had to take care of. Uh, so there's 52 weeks in a year, but I think I think we lost 12. <laughs> so that definitely takes us down to 40. But there's no way we did 40 because I feel like we probably had a couple of breaks in there. So I feel good. I feel good about 34. You're a little high. Oh, 32? Yeah, you're you're closer, but you're still high. <laughs> All right. What do we at? Where were we at? We did we did 30. So hey! we're up one. Up one. Okay. So we did 16 issues, two annuals, Heroes for Hope, uh, New Mutants Annual Two, and Special Edition. Secret Wars 2 was in there. Uh, X-Factor, obviously we did an episode on that. Lost, we did the Longshot Limited Series, the Iceman Limited Series. We did six assortment episodes, mm. which I think was a record. Yeah. Um, and we also did movie reviews on The Last Jedi, Logan, and Rogue One. Wow. So we were definitely on track to ex- far exceed previous years. If we wouldn't have taken a hiatus, but we still, we still beat the record. So that's pretty good. It's pretty good that we started out that strong. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, I'm not going to, I'm not going to mess with the, with the mojo. It sounds like, sounds like we do 30 a year. Uh, That seems like our uh, (laughs) average. Seems seems like a, seems like a tight number. I mean, you know, most TV shows are, you know, 24 episodes and that's, that's that's, true. That's a lot. Like that's too much content for a TV show. Yeah. So we're doing 30, you know, it's pretty good. All right. Do we have any other stats? No, I think that's it. Okay. Well, if you would like to uh, throw in early, the pool is open now. How many episodes does Adam and Jeremy do for the year 2018? This is the year where we talk more to our fans and we get we we get we get what you guys are interested in and we we start up a a relationship i mean well not really a relationship i'm not i'm not dating anybody but like uh you know we we have a community we we work on we work on our community you're frightening them adam <laughs> we'll see none of this is going to happen this is the year maybe we get a patreon Woo! and maybe 
Yeah. All right. Cool. Well, if anybody uh, yeah has has uh, predictions for what we do, uh, the 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 betting is open, and the winner of that bet will get nothing but bragging rights. Send us more drink recipes. There you go. Let's make 2018 all about all about you, the audience, and what you would like to hear. Yeah. So, that's like, fun. <laughs> All right. Well, looking forward to more episodes in 2018. But until next time, my name is Jeremy. My name's Adam. And the Danger Room is closed. Danger Room.